episode of project shadow my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset and i've been thinking about doing a series of episodes like this for a while and i'm gonna try it today and we'll see what everybody thinks because i actually have a lot of thoughts about a lot of different things like this and we'll we'll see how it works i kind of hope y'all like this okay so our topic today is how would i reboot he-man and the masters of the universe and and so for starters i want to say when i say i have a lot of ideas for this they're not all about reboots it's different kinds of things like if i were to make a tv show and or movie out of this thing now some might be book comic book or a classic series it's something that i kind of play around with in my own little head from time to time and have fun with and have actually contemplated from time to time actually building up and writing some fanfic over on Wattpad for some of this stuff. But I I wanted to start today with He-Man, and I wanted to do that because we're getting She-Ra. And I didn't actually want to do a how I would reboot She-Ra, since that's about to happen, and I haven't really given that as much thought as He-Man, mainly because we're about to get a new She-Ra, so... (laughs) You know, I had some thoughts about that, and it looks like they've actually done two of the things that I wanted them to do, and that's, number one, um, lose the connection to He-Man. I, I, okay, the idea that Prince Adam and Adora are twins separated for a long time, and that his parents never did anything mourning mournful to hint that he had a lost twin sister and i know there's that whole storyline where they they were like magicked so they wouldn't remember her and all that it's it's a retcon to make her his twin sister and it's unnecessary so that's the first thing that i would do and it looks like they're doing that with the shira series and i'm very happy with that the second thing that i would do with the shira series is desexualize her because it was a show for kids and it looks like they've done that too so I'm kind of excited to see what ends up happening with the new She-Ra show. But since those were two of my biggest gripes with She-Ra, and it looks like we're getting that, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. So we'll we'll talk about She-Ra more when She-Ra happens. Today, it's about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Because there's a lot of stuff that I would do to the show. First of all, I have to say, I was a huge, huge fan of the series when I was a kid. And as I've mentioned on this podcast on several occasions i have tried to rewatch the original series and oh it does not hold up well at all it, it I, I i have a like i can see what i liked about it because like the things that i liked about the various characters from the sorceress to tila to orko to he-man himself man-at-arms beast man who i always loved because i felt sorry for him and thought that he should eventually well we'll talk about that in a minute but yeah, so I, I'm a huge fan of He-Man, and I've ever since I tried to rewatch the series, have thought in my own head what I would do if I were doing He-Man and the Masters of the Universe today. What would that look? 
So I want to start with what is kind of the blatantly obvious part of this. They wouldn't be toy commercials. And I'm not saying that they couldn't be toy commercials or that we couldn't have toys based on He-Man. But one of the things that really held He-Man and the Masters of the Universe back as in the original cartoon was everything kind of had to look like the toy. And I get that because you want people to want the toy. <laughs> That's why the show existed. But one of the things that caused is like a lot of the vehicles didn't look good animated because they quite literally just drew the toy and so when i when i say it wouldn't be a toy commercial that that's where i'm starting from like yeah make toys have fun with that i would probably end up collecting them anyway so i'm fine with there being toys but the show itself is meant to be a show that is then merchandised kind of like the original star wars the show that was then commercialized and made toys from story first toys will happen Okay, so let's start with Prince Adam. Prince Adam, I don't want to look anything like He-Man. And I, th I think one of the things that would make He-Man a much more interesting show is if we started with a premise similar to Shazam or Captain Marvel or whatever we're supposed to call him now. So the idea of Shazam is that it's a little kid who gets from a wizard a magic word that when he says it, he becomes basically Superman. Okay. He actually becomes an adult in body, not in mind, which is also interesting and fun to play with. And he has superpowers. And I think that actually would be a much more fun way to do the show. So we start with both He-Man and Tila being kids. And I, I don't know what age we want them to be. I would say to make the show compelling, I would put them around 15, 16 at the tail end of childhood, of childhood. And getting into their teens, because I think you could do more interesting stories that way. And you're not always freaking out about a child being put in danger, which some people would do. Because, you know, suspension of disbelief only goes so far nowadays, and it doesn't go as far as it used to. But I would start with them being kids. I mean, we could start with them being 10, because of course Harry is 10 in the first Harry Potter Well, is 11 in the first Harry Potter book, so we could do 11, maybe. But somewhere around there, between 10 and 15. And when he holds aloft his magic sword and says, by the power of Grayskull, he actually becomes He-Man. And so the change is very dramatic. He goes from being this, you know, preteen, teen boy into being He-Man. And this gets rid of one of the biggest problems with the original show, that nothing really changes about Prince Adam except for his clothes. Like... He takes off clothes and nobody can recognize him. And I, I want to point out, just in case you didn't know, the original He-Man was 16. If you actually read all of the material that came with the toys and the comics and paid attention to the show, Prince Adam was 16. He was a ripped 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he, maybe we keep that original idea. He's a kid. But one, when he's Prince Adam, he looks like a kid. When he becomes He-Man, he looks like an adult. He takes on the full power of He-Man, gets all bulky and strong because, he, you know, he's He-Man. He-Man needs to be bulky and strong. But this gives us a very fun dynamic that we can play with that gets lost in the original series. And like I said, Prince Adam was supposed to be 16 in the original series. When you watch that, 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 that muscly monster man is supposed to be 16. Think about all the fun that we get to have with Spider-Man, and hopefully we'll get to have with the Shazam movie when it comes out, of 
this kid who suddenly has powers trying to find his way around in the world. Now, we magnify that into that they're A, actually magic powers, and B, he lives in a world where there are like bee people and talking cats and a dude with a skull for a face, which don't think for a minute we're not going to spend a long time talking about Skeletor. Um, yeah, so many amazing things. You could really, really go to town with this because he now has all of this power in this crazy ima imaginative world. But he's still a kid at heart. He's not a grown-up, and he has to figure out how to deal with the powers that he now has as He-Man. This gives him actual problems that he has to face, because to get over what they knew were going to be problems with the show having the violence that it had, they gave He-Man... Basically, He-Man never did anything wrong, and he never used his sword and just kind of threw people in mud. And at the end of every segment, did the moral of the day. On today's episode, we learned, right? Because he had to be perfect. Since we're actually going to be dealing with a younger Prince Adam, or actually an age-appropriate Prince Adam, because, again, I just feel like I have to mention this every time because it seems so surreal. Prince Adam was 16 in the original series. <laughs> Having him actually act like a kid and de-aging Tila to be his age so that he has somebody to run around in the castle with when he's not He-Man, gives us a very interesting dynamic for the show and changes everything from just that one little change. I don't really want to change hardly anything about Cringer except for getting him a, get him a better voice actor. And, and that's nothing against um, Alan Oppenheimer, who voiced him in the original series, but, you know, cartoons were different back then. <laughs> they were very different back then. You could get away with more, you know... That almost Scooby-Doo-ish, but cat-like voice that they gave for Cringer. So give him his own voice. Still have him be a green tiger, because, I don't know, green tigers are... And let him be Prince Adam's pet. But maybe go into more of an origin story. How did, Cring How did Prince Adam get Cringer? How did they end up together? Give them a reason to be close. And it can be as flimsy as Jasmine's reason for having Raja in Aladdin. Because, again, cartoon, we're willing to give it a lot of, you know, leeway that, you know, he's a prince and so he doesn't get to go out amongst the people that much. And Raja's his only friend. I mean, Cringer's his only friend. And so they've kind of grown up together and they're really close. It, it can be that simple. But give them a reason for being together. Give them a reason to be friends. You know? This could be the literal save the cat moment that maybe when Prince Adam was younger, he found Cringer injured and brought him into the palace and nursed him back to health and what have you. And that's why they have the relationship that they have. Because I, I don't mind Cringer being the cowardly cat, but if we're going to do that, then we have to have some basis of trust in their relationship. So when he becomes Battle Cat and his personality changes, we understand why. That there is this trust. That he understands that Prince Adam would never do anything to hurt him. And with that, I think the relationship between Cringer and Adam would be a lot more interesting. Man-at-Arms, in so many ways, is already almost a perfect character. And, by the way, also voiced by Alan Oppenheimer. Um, I, I would not change him hardly at all. I still want him in charge of the Royal Guard. I still want him to be Tila's father. 
I, I want him to be close with King Randar and Queen Marlena. All of that, I really wouldn't change him that much. Now, Tila, Tila was always a character that I loved when I was a kid because she was allowed to have her own agency on the show in a way that a lot of the other characters were not, especially female characters. She ten- she was able to take care of herself for the most part. Yeah, she had to be, you know, saved every now and then. But for the most part, she could kind of hold her own in a fight, especially in a fight against Evil Lynn, because girl, girl is, you know, fighting, because reasons. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <clears throat> but I, I would make sure that we give her her own agency. We don't make her Adam or He-Man's love interest, because... Honestly, that's boring and played out. I want her to be a friend of Prince Adam. I want her to be an ally of He-Man and give her her own agency and maybe play with her backstory some. I love the idea that she's the secret daughter. And by the way, if you're not ready for spoilers, like nothing that I've really said is a spoiler for the original He-Man series until now. But if you don't want any spoilers for the original He-Man series, back out now because this is a big one. All right. I mean, it's like a really old show so you have no real excuse for not knowing this if it's something you're interested in but okay you've been warned her backstory as the secret daughter of the sorceress and man-at-arms i want to play that up and i want her to start learning magic and i want her to embrace that and you can even keep it a secret that she doesn't know that the sorceress is her mother but that she has these magical powers maybe in the first season just every now and then strange things happen around her and she doesn't understand why and have her grow in understanding her power and then one day go to Grayskull with He-Man and then learn that, you know, you're Wizard Harry, you know, <laughs> and start developing her powers. But actually give her a storyline that shows her actually developing the powers that she has. I want her to stay an able fighter with her bow staff. I want all of that to stay there. I want her to be able to ride all the, you know, operate all the machinery and have all the agency that she had. And then some, I really want them to play up the idea that she is coming into her own as a wizard, as a sorceress, whatever you want to call it. I think that that would be really interesting. And Orko, again, I, I would do something about the voice. I think the voice was fine for an eighties cartoon. You know, Lou Scheimer did a good job back then but that's not the kind of voice that we have there have you know the kind of voices that we have now i like his origin story he was from a parallel universe and a parallel dimension and that he was on eternia i kind of like the idea of him as the court jester i i really want to keep him around and play with him and connect him more to the world like give him an actual reason to be there other than Oh, by the way, Orko is a character that exists. Like, why is he here? And because in the original series, Orko ends up getting tied in with all the events with the dragons and everything that's going on, maybe make that part of his reason, that maybe he knows that something is going to happen, and he has come to give aid when it happens, and that maybe the reason his magic doesn't function as well as he wants it to is that in this world... In Eternia, magic doesn't function the same way it does in Trala, which is the uh, dimension he's from. So maybe he and Tila start studying magic together and really become a team in a way that they never were in the original series. I think that that could be interesting. I like the idea that, you know, 
he his power came from a magic wand that he lost when um prince adam was 10 and he was trying to save adam and he lost his wand maybe have part of his story him getting a new one and show his development as a character if you haven't noticed a lot of the points here that i want to build off of are points of you know giving these characters a reason for existing and allowing them to grow now the biggest one is oh oh my goodness okay skeletor skeletor has to and i mean has to be our main villain he he's too iconic of a villain not to be the lead villain so we start with that skeletor is our main main villain now i want i i think the actual first episode our pilot should start with him as king randar's brother i i want to start there i don't want to keep that as a secret secret for later i want us to meet him as keldor i want us to meet him as the half brother of the king and i want to see him start see start wanting the throne for himself and i want to see his reasoning i want to understand that he thinks he would be a better king or that he was passed over for some reason maybe have him be the eldest son but for some reason because of their stepmother his stepmother or stepfather he is passed over for the throne for randall because we've completely separated this from Shira, we can't bring in Hordak, we can't bring in any of that. And of course, in the revolt, that's when he gets magically injured, and that's when he becomes Skeletor. And this is really taking his origin story from the original series and using it as the origin story for um, the series itself, using it as the pilot. And I think a really interesting way to do this would be to have him get his hand on the Swords of Power, both Swords of Power, in the first episode. And when he unites them and tries to claim the power of Skull, that's when, like, opening the Ark of the Covenant, it literally melts his face off. <laughs> that he can't handle the power. And then, through events that follow, somehow the Sword of Power makes it to Prince Adam. Adam discovers that he's He-Man, ends up saving Castle Skull. There you go. First episode in in the box. But by doing it that way and completely completely losing the 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 plot with Hordak and all of that, Skeletor becomes such a more interesting character because yes, of course, he wants the power of Castle Grayskull for himself, but now he realizes that for some reason he couldn't get it, and he's now this monster because of his greed to get it, and so. He has to figure out a way to both gain the powers of Grayskull and the throne of his half-brother, Randar. Now we have a motivation for a villain that we could really do some interesting things with. Because in wanting to have the power of Grayskull and knowing that it deformed him and gave him... I'm talking about the classic blue skin, yellow skull deformed him, right? He has to learn how to actually seize the power of Grayskull in a way that he can... This opens new ways for him to scheme for the power and new ways for him to actually act. It gives him a reason for having Evil Lynn around, another sorceress, that maybe he's promised to replace the sorceress, right? Maybe that's part of his scheme for taking over Grayskull. I think that could be really, really interesting because... And the reason I keep saying the sorceress, because her real name is Tila Na, 
and Tila is named after her. So, yeah, that could be really confusing if I'm talking about Tila and Tila Na. So I'm just going to say this. But I think she could be really, I think it could be really interesting because then we have a reason for Evelyn to be there. We have a reason for the other characters to start coming around. And we actually have something to build off of because he's not just trying to take over Castle Grayskull. He has to learn how to control the powers there. And that's where everything really becomes fun. So after our intro story where the Castle Grayskull gets unlocked, Prince Adam becomes He-Man, and Keldar becomes Skeletor, maybe the next set of episodes are about his quest for the Havocs and He-Man trying to stop him. That becomes interesting because... Well, we know he's. We, we are going to let him get the Havoc staff. And so we get to see something that we never saw in the original series, and that's how He-Man deals with def- something we never really had to deal with. But I think it could be a very powerful beat in the story. And along the way, this is when he meets Merman and Beastman and some of the others that will end up becoming kind of the col- collection around him, you know. Maybe he goes to Trapjaw because Trapjaw obviously has had to learn how to deal with his own deformities. You know, he has a metal jaw, he has a metal arm, he's had to replace body parts. Maybe he goes to Trapjaw to find a way to cover his own deformities. And we have a whole series of stories there. Now Trapjaw has an actual reason for being there. I I think this could make for a very interesting series. And of course, along the way, he discovered Snake Mountain and the powers of Snake Mountain, which he starts to wonder if he could rival the power of Grayskull. And now we have a series, Flash, He-Man, and the Masters of the Universe. There you go. We're off and running. And one of the things that I think would be a very interesting story beat, because it's the one thing that I always wondered why didn't happen when I was a kid, is you take Beastman. Skeletor and Beastman have the worst most abusive relationship and i kind of don't want to change that but what i do want to change is beast man i want him to eventually change sides i want him to eventually come over and join he-man maybe not permanently and maybe not successfully but i i want him to realize that he doesn't have to take the crap that he gets from skeletor and forge his own identity and go off and become his own man I think that could be a very interesting thing and possibly even turn him into a secondary villain doing his own thing, maybe with Merman and some of the others. I think you have an interesting show there. And that's something that's always... Oh, and the last thing about Skeletor is we base our voice acting on Skeletor from Frank Langella's Skeletor from the movies. I want him to have the deep voice. I want him to have that menacing laugh. I I want basically not to tell them to do a whoever does the voice acting... Not to tell them to do a you know impersonation of Frank Langella, but to watch this, take cues, go. Because I think Frank Langella's Skeletor is still the best one I've ever seen, even though it's embedded in a really terrible, terrible movie. Oh, that would be so bad. Anywho, but it has Tom Paris in it. <laughs> Yay! Oh, it's such a weird film. You know, your He-Man's gotten weird when they're fighting in a mall on Earth, because budget... Yeah, but that, that in a nutshell is how I would start remaking Masters of the Universe for today. I think there's so many interesting stories that we could play around with that 
they really didn't do on the original series. I think you actually do some world building about the dragons and the other empires that obviously exist in Eternia. Who are they? What are they after? What are they doing? What are they here for? And really build that up because, you know, Atmos, his people were doing their own thing. But we only really visit them occasionally because we need an origin for Atmos. But give them an actual origin story. Why are they like that? And lean into the weirdness. Make it a crazy magic world. I think you could, we could have a lot of fun recreating Masters of the Universe and doing it like... And like I said, I've often thought about sitting down and writing my own fanfic over on Wattpad to tell that story. Because I think there is a germ of an interesting story buried within the lore of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It just needs to come out. <laughs> and maybe someday I'll do that. And maybe I'll be able to do that with your help. Because the biggest problem with He-Man, because I got really excited when G.I. Joe put itself up on Kindle Worlds, and then Kindle Worlds is going away, so I, they're never going to do a He-Man for that. But, you know, there's no way to make a living writing fan fiction, because you're not allowed to make a living writing fan fiction. And that's what I, why, one of the reasons why I ask you all for your support, either through Patreon at patreon.com slash cedorset for my writing, or for this podcast by clicking either the support link or the if there's a little button might be on your screen. And if not, in the show notes, there's support on Anchor. You can support at the $1, $5, $10 levels. And that helps me make a living doing this. And so I can do projects that I don't have to worry about how money is going to come in from them. Like, if you all are really excited about doing a Masters of the Universe project, see... I can't kickstart that because I don't own the rights to that. And I can't put it up on my Patreon and say, you know, pay me for this. Because again, I don't have the rights for that. But it's something I could do as fan fiction. And if y'all are supporting me writing, then I have the freedom to do that because that's something that you all want me to do. See how that works? Loopholes. Aren't they wonderful? So if you like this idea and you want to support my writing, head on over to uh, projectshadow.com or click the anchor support button or go to the patreon and throw a buck my way or more it really would help me out to be able to do some of these crazy things that we talk about on this show. if the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate the episode please do so it tells the algorithm to show this podcast to more people and the more people that see it the more likely i am to be able to do some of these crazy things if you think somebody would like this episode like if you know somebody who's really into the masters of the universe and you think that they would like this reboot idea, please share this podcast with them. We have been growing really fast, and I'm so thankful to you all for that, and I want to see the growth keep going. So please share and help the podcast to grow, because right now you all are really the way that it's grown, and it means the world to me that you're being as supportive as you are. It really does. Uh, I think that's it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter. You can find a link to all of my social media accounts at projectshadow.com, including links to the stories that I'm working on. And yeah, tell me what you thought about this episode. And if you're following me on Anchor, which you can download at anchor.fm, you can send me a voice message up to one minute long and let me know. So you can send me a question, a comment, or a suggestion for something you'd like me to see. But definitely let me know what you thought about this episode, because I've got a lot of different things that I would like to talk about, like how I would turn them into movies or TV series, like Dragon Riders of Pern, or my personal favorite thing to kind of talk about with Brian, and that's if we could do a Harry Potter tea show. 
Yeah, I've got a lot of weird ideas, and I've thought about, you know, doing a more regular feature on the podcast about them. So let me know what you think, and until next time, don't forget to have the... Bye.